Um, this week has been a lot of fun. We've been in a week of prayer and fasting as a church. And if you didn't know, there was a lot of people that gathered up here at 6 a.m. in the morning this past week and was praying and uh, just pressing into the presence of God. I know a lot of you joined online with us as well. Um, and you've been fasting, which I have been so excited about how many people have been fasting. Turn to the person next to you and say, what are you eating for lunch today? Because I know some of y'all, that's all you can think about. <laughs> and uh, I laugh every time this, this fasting uh, time comes around for our church because fun fact about my son, right before we moved um, and moved up here to Fayetteville, we had a golden retriever. We rehomed him uh, that he would have a better life of living and uh, we miss him dearly. But my son would fast his dinner and he would get out of his high chair and sneak into the pantry and eat dog treats, okay? And he had to get his protein, so we just let him do it, you know? <laughs> and and uh, there would be times we would find him. We didn't give him dog treats. Don't judge me, okay? But fasting is such a good time to press into the things of God. Uh, one of my really good friends, uh, his wife and uh, him, they actually just moved up here recently. His name is Micah. Uh, I believe he may be watching online right now. And we were doing a liquid fast. We were believing uh, that he would find his wife. And um, he calls me in a panic. <laughs> it's so funny thinking about it. He calls me freaking out. And he's like, I blew it. And I'm thinking he like, had like a moral failure or something. And I, he's like, I, I blew the fast. And I was like, what happened? Like, tell me what's going on. And he said, I'm at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> he said, I drank a whole large cheese dip. <laughs> And then, like, with trembling in his voice, he says, is cheese dip a liquid? And I was like, I guess it depends on what Mexican restaurant you go to. <laughs> and the one he went to was not a liquid. But we are in the Essential Series, and we kicked it off last week, week one, with prayer and fasting. We talked about Mark 9. There was a demon-possessed boy. The disciples came on the scene, and they were trying to heal this boy, and the scripture says that they said that he could not. But what we talked about is that he actually could. He was missing an ingredient. And we know that some things require what? Prayer and fasting. And Jesus rolls on the scene and changes the narrative and he heals the boy. And we see in this passage that miracles are done by prayer and fasting. And I've been so encouraged by how many families have done this this week, and I've already started hearing stories about what God is doing in your life. And this is the thing. Some of you are here this morning, and maybe you've been pressing into God this week, and you haven't heard the thing that you wanted to hear, or maybe you were wanting clarity, and you have not received clarity. This is what I know is true, is that prayers are answered with yes, no, and not yet. And I know for me in my life, like, there's some times where I'm so desperate for a sign from God or clarity from God, but what I realize often is that if I haven't received an answer, it's either not from God what I'm praying for or it's not time yet. And I just want to encourage you to keep pressing in as we go um, and that fasting and prayer would be a discipline that you have as a believer. And going into weeks like this, um, as a pastor, I hear things like, Seth, I really wish that I could hear from God. Seth, God doesn't speak to me. I can't hear from God. I want to hear the voice of God. This is what I want to start off with this morning because I, I love the word of God. This is the truth. This is what we build our life on as a believer. It says in John 1, 1, 
that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you want to hear God speak, read the Word of God out loud. Because these are his words. This is what he has spoken to his people. If we open our Bible and we open our mouth and we open our hearts to receive what God has, he will speak to his people. Hebrews 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to divide soul and spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all. Everybody say all. Not some, not some of the things that we want to pick out, right? We talked about last week, it's not a gumbo where we just throw in what looks good. It's not a cookbook where we can pull recipes out of and hopefully have something that's good. No, all scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Don't just listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says, And my prayer is that as a church, we would do what the word of God says. And we know what is essential in this series because we have the Bible. It's it's the word of God. And just a reminder, essential, it means something that is absolutely necessary and extremely important. And some of y'all are like, Seth, I wish you would hurry up and get done talking because the only thing essential right now is that I break my fast at lunch today, okay? And you can taste the salsa in in Jesus' name, okay? Some of y'all are rubbing your stomachs. (laughs) It's amazing. Fasting is always followed by feasting in Scripture. So it's biblical for you to break your fast and do it with joy today. So we're kicking off part two of the essential series, and we're talking today about God's purpose for your life, for our life as a believer. Everyone has a purpose. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have a purpose, even if you didn't think you did, okay? Turn to the person you ignored, the other person, and say, I think that you may have a purpose. (laughs) We all have a purpose. The title of today's message is, what are you going to do with it? What are you gonna do with it? Because if we have a purpose, we have an opportunity to do something with that purpose Go back to the scripture we read in verse 14. It says, again, it will be like a man that's going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold and to the other, he gave two bags. And to another, he gave one bag, each according to his own ability. And then he went on his journey. Now, Jesus was telling a parable to these people. This was Jesus talking. If you have a Bible, the letters are read in the Bible. By the way, if you need a Bible, we just bought a bunch of Bibles. They're at the Welcome Center. Feel free to pick one up. It's on us. We love you. And in, in this passage, anytime in scripture you see that it's red letters, it's a good point to pay attention. And in these times, Jesus was trying to relate with these people and tell them a story so that the people he was talking to would understand. And so uh, they didn't have uh, the, the resources that we have. This was in uh, ancient times. And so when you would leave town to go on a trip, you would leave your possessions with somebody else. You would leave your possessions with somebody who was reliable. I just want you to, to pause really quick. If you were leaving town in ancient times, who would you leave your possessions with? Some of you are like, that's a great question. Some of y'all are like, I would just dig a hole like that one guy and hide it in the ground. (laughs) 
They would, hi, they would, they would give it to uh, other people, and they would entrust those things. This was like modern-day cryptocurrency, okay? Uh, stocks and investments, I'm kidding. But what they would do is they would leave it with people, and they would trust them to take it and to add to it, to invest in it, to make the most of it. Now, this was not like a stack of cash or a bag of coins. This was metal. It was precious metal. And some believe, in in different translations, it says talents. That's not like abilities or talents, which we will talk about the, the abilities that God has given you today. Some believe that a talent is one to 200 pounds of precious metal. So this was very valuable he finds three servants, and he, he entrusts to them based off their ability to steward these things. And he says, I need you to invest this while I'm gone and make it better. This is a life motto for, for my wife and I, um, and hopefully for our kids as well. It, it's this, leave it better than you found it. That's just a great thing to live by. Leave it better than you found it. That's things that's people, and that's places. We hear often, people will say, well, I didn't make that mess. The Tom Bowleys believe if we didn't make the mess, we're still going to clean it up. We, when we encounter people, we want to leave them better than we found them. Places, we want to leave them better than we found them. And just to set this story up, another way to look at it is God has left the earth. And Jesus, when he left the earth, he looks at his disciples and looks at the followers of of himself, Jesus, and he says, I need you to do something. And he empowers them with what ultimately is our purpose. And and it's a partnership that we know as the Great Commission. The Great Commission, if you you chop that word up, it is the Great Co-Mission, meaning he wants to partner with you. Everybody say me. Yeah, you. I know, it's crazy, right? Even though we're jacked up, even though we are messed up, even though we are sinful, it says in Matthew 28, this is what he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He says, go and make disciples. This, by the way, is not a recommendation. This isn't like a suggestion that Jesus is making. This is a mandate for Jesus. Some people, I've heard people talk, they're like, I think it's my calling to make disciples. As a follower of Jesus, that is a command from Jesus. And he says that this is not a calling, this is a command for you. So as a believer, this is our overall Purpose. Jesus leaves and he empowers broken people with the most life-changing, radical message, the gospel, that we could ever hear in our lifetime. And he says, I need you to take this to all ends of the earth and teach people to obey everything that I've commanded them. And I just, I was up here last night thinking about you guys praying and thank God those crows were not outside the window because it was too cold. Um, crows fly outside that window. It's very creepy, by the way. And I, I was just thinking about what it would look like if an entire church said yes to God. What would it look like if an entire church didn't just say yes to Jesus on the day of their salvation, but they said yes to Jesus every day they got up? What would it look like if every person embraced the command of go make disciples, but they understood their personal calling as well? He's entrusted us, but what are we going to do with the gospel? What are we going to do with the gifts 
in the influence and the talents and the abilities that God has placed on the inside of you. I've got a couple thoughts um, before you guys go break your fast. And the first one is this. It's already in you. It's already in you as a believer. This is what it says. Have y'all ever been looking for something and you realized you were holding the very thing that you were looking for? Maybe a cell phone or your keys. This used to happen to me at the golf course all the time. Before God formed you in the womb, the word says that he knew you, that he consecrated you, he appointed you, he searched you and he knows you. He made you with his hands. And he set you apart from the very beginning. Everything that you need to impact your sphere of influence, everything you need to change your community, change your school, change your family, God has put on the inside of you. But how silly would it be if we just let it lay dormant? I wrote down, we have to recognize and walk in the authority and the purpose that God has given us. On one hand, people recognize it, and it's like, I've got a gift. I know God's called me. But did you know there's a big difference in somebody knowing something and somebody knowing and then doing something? We recognize and walk in the gift. In Scripture, it says that every good thing that we have in our life is from God. It says it comes down from the heavenly lights, our finances, our abilities, our intelligence, our friends, our spouse, nudge your spouse if they're with, say you're from God, I think, okay? Your car, all of these things, the, these are from God. But here's the thing is that God didn't give you these things. He entrusted you with them. There's a difference. He's entrusted us with these things. Now, I have always loved investing. I'm not big into the stock market or anything like that. But if you go back to my childhood, the wee little days of middle school, I used to be a modern-day hustler, okay? And um, I've told some of you about this, but um, I, I would uh, sell and trade Pokemon cards. Any, where are my Pokemon people? Back in the, yeah, okay, Charizard, um, Pikachu, all right. Uh, Squirtle. Uh, so I would do Yu-Gi-Oh cards. We'd be battling in the bathrooms. And then one year in seventh grade, these things came out called Beyblades. And you would rip them in the sink. Okay, we got some, some believers in here. Yes, I've got friends. Um, and we would battle them in the sinks of the bathroom for hot Cheetos, okay? And it, I, hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? I, I've always loved to be able to take something and to make more out of it. And, and I got into high school, I started installing sound systems and screens and, and all of this stuff. And I, I started a leather business after I got out of college and making bags and belts and all kinds of things. And, but it, there's one specific thing in middle school that I always go back to. They called me the, the candy man. Okay, nobody called me that. That's what I called myself. <laughs> But I would bring two backpacks to school. One would have my books. The other would have the reason I was at school. And it was candy. And I realized that with my allowance, I got $10 a week. And um, I was called to steward this money well, so I invested it. Mom would take us to Sam's Club. Mom, if you're watching right now, I love you. Thank you for teaching me this. I would go to Sam's Club. My brother would spend his money on meaningless things. I would buy candy. And if you didn't know, at Sam's, you can get a lot of candy for not a lot of money. And I would buy a couple boxes of candy, and I'd go back to school. I learned not to bring chocolate. It'll melt in the locker, all right? Skittles and Starburst and all of these things. And I would make, I would triple my money every single day. We'd go back to Sam's. I had that pallet cart. Push, I'm just kidding. I didn't, all right? 
But what happened is the lunch lady got involved and shut down my whole operation. And I still have not forgiven that lady to this day. They called me to the office. They're like, do you know why you're here? And I was like, do you know why you're here? You know, I'm, I'm just kidding. But I've always appreciated taking something and, and getting more out of it. The most that we could get out of it, I want to invest. I learned at an early age that when I am given something, when I'm entrusted with something, I need to leave it better than I found it. What, what if we had that approach with people? What if we had that approach with everything that we touch that I will leave it better than I found it? My big question today for you is what is it that God has given you? What is it that God has put on the inside of you that sets you apart from everybody else? That he's gifted you with. I love this. These three guys, they were all entrusted with, with something different. They, were all, they all were given different amounts, different size gift based off of their ability to steward it. Now, I've noticed in my short time of walking with God that often people do not use the gifts that God has given them because they're too busy comparing their gift to somebody else's. It would have been so easy, the guy that got five talents, to say, well, well I, you know, why didn't I get more? The guy that got two talents, why didn't I get five talents? And so on and so forth. People, y'all listen, people often refuse to use the good thing that God has placed in their life because they're preoccupied wishing that they had more of something else. Or they wish that they had what someone else had. Or they had what their friends had. Y'all listen, comparison, it is not just the thief of your joy. It is the assassin of your purpose. If you want to know the quickest way to kill your calling as a believer, start comparing yourself to somebody else. If you want to know the quickest way to get your eyes off of Jesus and, and not on Jesus and, and your purpose and what he's called you to do, start looking at what you don't have. You'll completely derail what God has called you to do. The enemy knows that if he can keep you focused on what you do not have, you'll never maximize what you do have. It's, it's already in you. God put something in you early on in your life. It says he knitted you together in your mother's womb. Maybe you're in this place and somebody told you that you're an accident. That, that you, you, you don't have a purpose. There's no way you could make a difference in this world. Can I tell you that that is, that is a lie from the pits of hell? You have a purpose. Somebody may have lied to you growing up, but there is purpose inside of you. And my goal today is to breathe a little bit of life into that. I know this, that large impact always starts with a small beginning. It always starts with a small beginning. What is common on earth, God uses to do very uncommon things. What is natural, God does supernatural things. But this is what I know is true. I worked with young people for a long time. This is what I, and it's true for older people too. Some of us are throwing away what is in our hand, the thing that God has placed in our hand, because it, we don't think it looks like what is in our heart. Why? Well, th that's not as big as the thing that God's put in my heart, so I'm going to throw it away. I, the, what I know about the word is that he entrusts you with little. If you're faithful with little, you'll be entrusted with what? Much. So why would God trust me with more if I'm not faithful with what he's already put in my hand? Uh, every Fortune 500 company, you could go down the list. They started in a garage, but then they ended up impacting the world. It started small, and it made a big impact. A house didn't start as 
a house. It started as a pile of what? Dirt. You can look at a tree. It didn't, it didn't just uh, appear like that. It started as a seed. Just because what is in your hand doesn't look like what you think is in your heart, don't let that rob you of doing something today with it. it it's already in you. It says in Matthew 16, I love this, that anyone that intends to come with me has to let me lead. This is Jesus talking. It says, you're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run off from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. It is my way. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself in the process? What could you ever trade your soul for? There's three things you could do with your life. One of them is waste it. Everybody probably knows someone who's wasted a lot of their life. I wasted a lot of years of my life spending them on sin, the desires of myself. The second thing you could do with life is you could spend it. You could spend it. This is media's way. This is culture's way. Buy this so you can get this, right? Post this so that you can appear to be this. If you do this and you say this, people will think that you are this. You could spend it the world's way or you could invest it. This is God's way. He's put things on the inside of you, but you have the opportunity whether you're going to say yes to the thing he's called you to or you're going to stiff arm it and bury the purpose God's given you. The second thing I wrote down is you have to do something with it. Nudge the person next to you and say, you better do something. You got to do something. The, The man who received five bags of gold, he went at once and he put his money to work. And he, gave five, he gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag, he went off. Don't miss this. He dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. He hid his master's money. I don't want to get to heaven one day and make excuses about what I didn't do, what I could have done what I would have done, what I should have done. This is just a fun fact. Woulda, coulda, shoulda are the words of someone who loves excuses and lacks faith. And I wanna be a person when God calls me to do something that I step up to the plate, no matter how scary it is, and I say, you can use me, God. We talked about it several weeks ago. One of the scariest prayers you could pray is when you get up in the morning, you say, God, you can do whatever you wanna do through my life. And he will use you. Hebrews 11 says this in verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Verse 19 goes in the story. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The, The owner returns to them and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you waste it? Did you spend it? Did you invest it? I want to ask an honest question. Everybody look at me real quick. How are you stewarding the life that God has given to you? It's never too late to ask that question. It's never too late to to step up to the plate, to to plant some, some flags in the ground and say, I'm not going back to who I used to be. I don't have to live this way. I don't have to waste my life in sin. God, you gave me a purpose from the beginning and today I'm gonna step into that purpose. How are you using the life that God has given you? If you had 30 days to live, and I'm not trying to be morbid, but this is reality. 
what would you do differently? If you knew that you had a time clock that is ticking on your life, which by the way, we do, we're not invincible. What would become more important and what would become way less important? Would you spend as much time staring at a screen to find affirmation or would you open the book and say, God, who have you created me to be? Would we focus on our failures and our past or would we step up to the plate and say, God, I used to be, but today I can step into who you've called me to be? What would you stop doing? What would you start doing? This is the beautiful thing about living for God is it's never too late to take a step of faith. It's never too late to step out in faith. This is essential. We talked about prayer and fasting. We're gonna talk about the word. We're gonna talk about living for God, but our purpose, we can't look at the great commission as a, as a possibility. We can't look at the great commission as, oh, it would be cool if we did that. No, this is a command from our Lord and Savior. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to obey everything I've commanded to you. And then Jesus promises us, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. That's why he put the Holy Spirit inside of you. Everybody in here has received two things. You've received the command and you've received a calling. It's really hard to learn what you're called to do if you're not attached to the one that called you to do it. I tried to learn my calling by doing everything else in life. And I came up short over and over and over and over and over again. I was exhausted over and over and over and and I was hurt over and over. But you know what? When I said yes to Jesus, when he had my yes, not just on the day of salvation, but the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, even when it was hard, the day after that, when he had my yes every single day, he began to do something miraculous in my life. What are we going to do with what he's put on the inside of us? My responsibility, one of my responsibilities as a pastor is to get us ready for the final exam. Anybody in here like taking test? Not me, okay? The ACT was not my friend and you can't cheat on that test. I tried, all right? The first question, when we reach the gates and we're talking to our Father in heaven, did you settle your relationship with Jesus Christ? What did you do with the good news of the gospel? Did you know it's good news? Because we are really bad people, full of sin, and we desperately need a Savior. The second question is, what did you do with what I gave to you? What did we do with the things that God gave to us? I love this quote. It's a theologian. I couldn't pronounce his name, so I didn't write it down. It says, the master judged each of these servants individually. Don't miss this. If they were taken as a group, they actually did very well because they were given eight talents and they, were, they returned with 15. Yet each of them was judged on their individual faithfulness and effort. Spurgeon says it this way, remember that in the day of judgment, your account must be personal. God is not going to ask you what your church did. He will ask you what you did. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. What I'm trying to do is fix our eyes on heaven today. Because I don't know if you know this, but this life is way too short to play patty cake with the gospel. 
I desperately needed Jesus and thank God that he sent someone to rescue me, to witness to me, to love on me, to serve me, to meet me in the middle of my mess and addictions and show me there's another way of living. He's not gonna ask me what my serve group did. He's not gonna ask me what my life group did. All of these things are important, but what he's gonna say is, what did you do with what I gave to you? You've got a purpose. The last thing that I wanna make note of is we have to refuse to bury it. We have to refuse to bury it. One of the stories I I love telling our students in high school was about an African impala. It's a very interesting animal. You can look it up on Google. It's a weird looking creature, but it's got short legs and a short body, but it can be kept inside any zoo with a three-foot fence. A A little short fence, and this animal will go up to the fence, and if you see the zoos, they've got that big drop off after the fence. Have y'all seen this? It's the big hill, and they learned that if an animal, especially this African impala, it could jump straight over the gap and clear it. If that animal doesn't know where its feet will land, if it were to jump, it won't jump. So they can keep these animals in the zoo with a three-foot fence, and this animal has all of the capabilities to get out of the zoo if it wanted to. It is the same way with you and me. We won't take a step of faith unless we know where our feet will land. We will not step out of our comfort zone unless we know that someone's going to be there to walk with us. And I have good news today. We do. Jesus is with you. He's for you. He's not against you. There is not this boundary around your life that you have to stay confined to. God is calling you to do something. But my question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? All of us have a choice how we're going to use the things that God has placed in our life. My challenge today is that we would go all in and we would never look back. And the only time that we would look back would be to tell somebody what God brought us out of. I've never met somebody who regrets living with a purpose. We have to refuse to bury the gifts that God has given us. The burdens that God has placed inside of you. It's like a holy discontent. You could change the world. The calling on your life. It says in verse 24 as we get ready to close. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a harsh man. You harvest where you have not sown and you gathered where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He was scared. Have y'all ever been scared before? Not just scared, but like scared. (laughs) He he didn't know what to do, so he did only what he knew to do, which was I'm gonna dig a hole, I'm gonna bury it. And when I come back to this place, I'm just gonna return to the master what he gave me. I I was praying through this last night and I felt like, man, God wanted me to say this. The third servant had a misunderstanding of who the master was. He had a distorted picture of who the master was. His misunderstanding of the master led to him misstewarding the gift that he gave him. It's the same way for us. If we have a false depiction of who God is, if we have an understanding of who God is and it is distorted by culture, if it is distorted by what the world says is true, you can never step fully into everything God has for you. 
What we do is if we have a misunderstanding of our Father in heaven, we'll bury every good thing he has given us in the ground. So what are you going to do with it? He was scared and so he hid the one thing God gave him. He was intimidated and so he never stepped out in faith. Because of his insecurity, he never fully activated the calling of God on his life. This is a parable. God is painting a picture that we can look at today and apply to our life. So I don't know where you're at, if you're on the mountaintop or you're in the valley low, but can I tell you, it is not too late for you to step out and live for Jesus, to be bold and live for Jesus, to make an impact in the city. Y'all, people need Jesus in this city. Just go sit at a coffee shop and watch people. I do it all the time. I love, I love watching people, not in a creepy way. <laughs> We need God to move. But my question is, what is stopping you from stepping into what God has called you to do? So if you would, just go ahead and bow your heads across the room.